All right, we are in the book of Galatians 4, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 20, right where we left off. I was excited last, a couple weeks ago, I thought I was preaching and forgot that it wasn't my Sunday, and I want to say to Brother Clamas, a man that I've grown up with uh, in my dad's church, thank you so much for stepping in and being faithful. Um, and we are back. So, um, this is the fourth chapter, and I'm going to try my very best to close this chapter out today. I don't know how long I'll be with you. I'm going to do my very best not to be very long-winded, but there's quite a few challenges in this passage of Scripture, and I want to define terms and then uh, give us a foundation for what these things mean so that we can interpret them and apply them. Amen? Galatians, the fourth chapter, starting at the 20th verse, reads thus, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and the one the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the, bond, or the free woman was by promise. Read that again. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Amen? Born by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which, is, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Hmm. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Underline that. Which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. But as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born of the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Here we go. Underline this. Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Hmm. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. May God add a blessing to the reading and to the doing, and in this case, the understanding of his word. Amen? Um, I'm going to speak to you today from the title, The Miracle of Salvation and Holiness. The Miracle of Salvation and Holiness. Um, this is a very lengthy portion of scripture, and I'm going to take my time this morning, and I, you know, I make no apologize, no apology if it's a little lengthy, but I need to go through this last portion of scripture because there's really no way to break it up. Um, without it being disjointed and, 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 and it being a little weird where I, wherever we leave off. All right, so here's the thing. As I said before, just to give you a little context, once again, just so we know where we are, this is one of Paul's angriest letters to the churches that God anointed him to set up. Uh, what was happening was the Jews were coming in and telling people that they needed more than just Jesus Christ to be sanctified, to be saved, to be made right with God, and to live holy. Amen? They, they were telling them that they needed to obey all of the ceremonial laws and be circumcised, um, the, the Mosaic law, uh, in order to be made right with God. And Paul had taught them that faith in Jesus 
Christ was enough and explained that Jesus was all they would need and set Jesus Christ uh, clearly in front of them, taught them and, and explained Jesus Christ clearly. Uh, and Paul was very perplexed about the fact that they were, you know, after all that explanation, all that clarity about the gospel, the cross, and uh, being raised from the dead and who Jesus Christ was and why he came, he was perplexed, he was confused, he was concerned um, uh, that they could later on so swiftly turn from that gospel uh, and the simple teachings of just trusting in Jesus for salvation um, and, and uh, go into some other understanding of salvation and holiness that was not going to help them. Amen? From these Jews. So here we are in Galatians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 20. Paul says, I desire to be present with you and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. What he's saying there basically is he's saying, I'd rather be with you in person and speak with you face to face. Hoping that, you know, I could see something that would change my mind or soften my tone you know, as I'm delivering this rebuke. But from where I am now, where I'm writing from, not being in Galatia at the time when he wrote this, he said, all I can do is speak with you very harshly because I'm confused, I'm concerned, I don't understand how you could turn from trusting in Jesus to trusting in these other things that these Jews are bringing to your attention when it comes to living by or adhering to or trusting in the law to make you right with God. Amen? He was like, that's not what I taught you. So what I want to do today is I'm going to define a few terms here. I want to look up the word constraint. All right, constraints are, you know, when you look it up, it's, it, the, definition, the definition of restraints is a limitation or a restriction. Amen? To have limitations or restrictions. That's constraints. Amen? Uh, then I googled a phrase that, to be religiously constrained. And it was interesting what I found out. Uh, Google told me <laughs> that it means to have some, uh, something that limits your freedom so that you cannot do what you really want to do. Isn't that interesting? To be religiously constrained, according to Google, is to... Uh, Set limits on yourself uh, or to have something that limits your freedom so that you cannot do what you want to do. That's the church according to Google. So according to Google, we are all a bunch of people in church that really want to do something else. <laughs> but we are constrained and not free. Okay. Now, when you go to jail, they, because of whatever crime you've committed, they Forced constraints or restrictions on you. Amen? High walls, uh, uh, guards with guns, uh, wardens that are over the facility, chains and jail cells. Uh, they, they put you behind bars and you are restricted. You are constrained. You cannot move uh, as you would like to. You're not free to go as you please. You are constrained. Amen? But now, what if I wanted to be constrained, where you're not forced <laughs> to be constrained, but you have restrictions on you that you actually desire because you realize that those restrictions are good for you? Uh, for instance, this is my wedding ring. It's simple. Uh, I don't wear a lot of jewelry, just a few small pieces. But one piece that I never, ever take off is my wedding ring. It's not gaudy. It's, I don't have a bunch of diamonds on it. I've never upgraded it. It's sentimental to me. It's, it's you know, it, it's valuable to me. Amen? And this wedding ring represents me being one, publicly at least, with my wife, being faithful to my wife and keeping my vows. You know, when you see me, you see a person has a ring on their finger, you assume that they are being faithful. They're married, amen? They're keeping their vows. These are restrictions that I actually desire. Hang with me, I'm going somewhere. Now, this ring that I'm wearing, saints, is not a chain to me. Hmm. 
nor does it really prevent me from slipping out on my wife and getting with somebody else. No, it's, it's, the ring is something that I wear. It's external, but the ring is not what's keeping me married. The ring is not, it's not what's keeping me in my relationship, amen? It's an external piece that I put on me or wear that represents something, yes, but it's not, it's, the ring has no power. Mm. Okay, what's keeping me is not something external. What's keeping me is something internal. Amen? Amen. And what's internal is much more powerful than my external display of fidelity uh, that's on my ring finger, if you will. Amen? Amen. So this internal power causes me to want to be constrained, causes me to want to be restricted. It's not just out of fear of divorce that I am under these restrictions or constraint. I really just want to be with my wife. I want to do the things that would please her. I don't do it because I want fear of losing her. No. I do it because I want to be restricted. I want to be constrained. Are you following me? All right. So the love that I have, for instance, for my wife is something I can't explain. It just happened. Amen. I just love her. I didn't uh, produce that love in and of myself, but it's there. I just saw her and I loved her. I didn't see her and try really hard to feel like loving her. <laughs> Amen. I, I just do. I didn't have to drum up this love by walking around in some kind of ceremonial ritual, her New York apartment when we got together over and over and over and on certain days of the week and do some kind of ceremonial observance on her birthday to stay in love with her no that's not what I did I just love her I saw her I loved her I desired her I don't know where it even came from it just happened it's not something I drummed up are you following me okay now stay there hold that thought and let's move that over into the church In church, we have people who live restricted lives not because they want to, but because they feel that they have to. Uh. Now, the church is commanded to be holy. That is true. And some some people desire to live holy. Others feel like they have to live holy. They're They're not the same people. They're not the same folks. Some people want to, and some people feel like we just have to. Mm. These people are what I would call very religious, but these people are not people that I would classify as free. Amen? They may do a bunch of external things, things that display holiness in an external sense, but it's not coming from a place of love. And it's the love that causes them to be free and not just religious, okay? It's not coming from a place of love. And if it, because it's not coming from a place of love, even though they may extend great effort to display this holiness, guess what? It's not acceptable to God. Hmm. The truth is, saints, God puts himself, God himself, God himself, God all by himself, puts the love in the hearts of the believer that trust in his son. And it's a miracle that happens because miracles come from God and no one else. Amen? Miracles do not come from drummed up human effort. I hope you get that. Amen. I need some water. I got it. All right. John 3, 1 and 8. John 3, 1 and 8. Familiar portion of scripture. We know the story. The word of God reads, John 3, 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, The same, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, 
We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So Jesus Here's what Nicodemus is saying. Jesus uses that word miracle, and watch what he does. He cuts straight to the chase. Jesus answered unto him and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said again, listen, very, very last say unto thee, except a man be born, now more specifically of water and of the spirit, or some people would understand that water even the spirit, uh-huh. he is, uh, water even the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Mm. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. You see it? Marvel not that I said unto thee. In other words, don't be surprised that I said that you must be born again. And later on, <laughs> Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. You're, you're a master. You're a teacher of the Jews. And you don't know these things. But in verse 8, he kind of tells us what happens. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it comes from and whither it goeth. We know that wind exists, but we don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's headed. We don't know how it got here. We can feel the wind. We can, you know, we can, we can, we can hear the wind, but we can't see it, and we don't know how it got. It's the most amazing thing. Amen? Jesus says this, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let me give you a translation of where I'm going here. Human beings in and of themselves cannot jumpstart salvation, nor can we sustain it. Amen? You did not give yourself life, nor can you give yourself new life. You have no ability to make yourself born, and you have no power to make yourself born again. This miracle comes from God. This miracle comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Now, with that set up, believe it or not, that was all my setup. <laughs> Let's get into our text. Galatians 4, 21 now. Mm -hmm. The word of God reads, Paul says, tell me ye that desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? He's talking primarily to the Galatians here. He's saying, do you even know what the law says? Do you even know the history of the law? Do you understand what's happening here? And then he uses an analogy. He's talking to them because he's probably clued into the fact that they don't really know the position they're putting themselves under when they are deciding to place themselves under the law instead of grace. Amen? Through faith. Uh, he's like saying, listen, I taught you that this was about Jesus Christ and trusting in the Holy Spirit. You don't know what you're getting into. You don't know what you're meddling with here. Amen? Amen. He wanted to expose the two different energies. Hear me, saints. The, energy, the two different energies behind religion. What is that? Give them a clarity behind what would happen uh, in, if, if you stay on this road. Amen? It, it, this road is a subtle, deceptive trick that you don't know, you know, that you're on. He said there's, there's two different energies. There's one of self-effort, which I'll explain, and one of grace. Amen? Amen. All right. So he says, tell me, you that wonder what, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And here's his example, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. Verse 23. But he who was born of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. That which is flesh is flesh. Huh. Just like in John 3. But he of the free woman was by promise. That which is of the spirit is of the spirit. You see it? Ah. So what's happening here? He's going into the story of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, and Isaac. 
And some of you may remember this story from, you know, when you were kids or you recently researched it and gone through Genesis again. But let me give, it, give you a snapshot here. Abraham is 75 years old when he hears from God that he's going to have a child. So he's 75, which means we're already pushing it here, folks. Okay? All right. Let me paint a picture. It's kind of like you go to the hospital and you're on medication. <laughs> you're old. You go to the pharmacy to refill your prescription. And then you come outside, get back in your car, and you're met by God who tells you, by the way, you and your wife are getting ready to have a baby. This is big. Amen? And to make it more, even more interesting, God waits 25 years after Abraham hears this prophetic word from the Lord that he's going to have a kid, 25 years for this promise to even come to pass. So you hear it at 75 and you don't get the promise until 25 years later and you're already old and you're, it's not looking good. You old, your wife is old, both of y'all not doing well. Okay? All right. So what happens here is 25 years later, you're going to get this promise, but you don't know that this is the case <laughs> while you're waiting. God doesn't say to Abraham, by the way, you're going to wait 25 years for this to happen. No. What ends up happening, you don't know that this is going to happen 25 years later. And somewhere around the age of 86, you and your wife start to get a little impatient. Are right, you hearing me? All right. So Sarah, who is ashamed, which is a major part of this, that she has no children, because in those days, if you didn't have children and you're a woman, there was a lot of shame that came with that. Okay? So Sarah is ashamed of this. She has no children. You know, I don't know who else is around her and whatever else, whatever else is happening there, but, but she's starting to feel the, 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 the shame that comes along with being barren, amen, unfruitful. <laughs> she's probably trying to figure out what was my purpose. You know, there's all kinds of things that come along with this, especially in those days for women that did not have children. She is, you know, she's getting up there. All right. So <sighs> she is ashamed. And she's assuming that maybe, maybe God meant that we should do something to help him perform this miracle. Mm. I mean, think about it, Abraham, honey. We have the ability, we have resources. We can make this birth happen with our own resources. We can do it ourselves. So what happens? Sarah tells Abraham, why don't you go and sleep with my servant girl? She's kind of cute. What do you think? What? Now, I know that doesn't happen in 2021. That's a completely different situation. But back then, that's what people did. All right? So they would take their own resources and make this thing happen. Okay? So, you know, she's cute. Go ahead. Why don't you go, you know, have my servant girl, Abraham, and you go and make a baby with her. And Abraham says, you know, that's a great idea. All right. I'm not going to go there. But before you know it, the baby comes, they have this kid called Ishmael, he comes out, and there's all kinds of craziness. We have something that starts to look like a situation that's playing out like a bad Maury Povich episode. It's, it's horrible. Hagar starts feeling herself because she's now blessed. She's got a baby, and she starts talking smack to Sarah, and Sarah retaliates and starts treating her bad, and so bad that Hagar gets up and runs away and ends up in the desert, and Abraham is stuck in the middle of a bunch of baby mama drama, and God tells, I mean, the angel comes and tells uh, Hagar, go back and submit to Sarah and just do whatever she says and stop giving her a bunch of drama and, and an attitude problem, and, and then later on, you find out that uh, there's, 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 when, when uh, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself but it's a bunch of drama are you hearing me it's just terrible now the temptation for us saints at this point in time is to point the finger at Abraham Sarah and Hagar and say what are y'all doing this is a mess but it's more productive for us to extract uh, 
how we are kind of like them in this kind of in certain situations. It's more productive for us to point the finger at ourselves and our tendency to do what we naturally can come up with in our own human nature, and that is to try to fix something that only God can fix. Mm. Uh, sometimes we lose patience with God instead of waiting patiently on God. Amen? Uh, the thing that I know about God, <laughs> yes, Lord, this, this is true. There are times when God will wait until all your strength is gone, all of your resources are used up, uh, and you run out of everything just to guarantee that he gets all the glory for doing what he has already promised that he was going to do and never asked you to do in the first place. What God is after is your faith. He wants you to use faith and trust in him and not trust in yourself. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I don't know I don't know who I'm talking to, but wait on God. Don't get in the middle of it. Trust the Lord. Do not lean to your own understanding. Amen. All right. Let's move it along. Verse 24. Back to our text. Galatians 4:24. Which things are an allegory? So he's basically saying the two wives. And the two children are an allegory. For these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, whoa, slavery, not being free, which is Agar or Hagar, as we've learned. Amen. Uh, covenant, that Agar's covenant basically is a covenant of law. Given on Mount Sinai, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that, and then you shall have my favor. If you do not do this, you do not do that. If you, 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 you don't do, then you don't get the favor of God. It's a law, a covenant of law, a law of self-effort, a covenant of self-effort versus the covenant of grace and power from the Holy Spirit, which says God will do, God will perform, God will come through. You just wait on God. You stand on God's words. You trust in him. You, you believe in what he says. You wait on God and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. There's a difference between the two. Amen? What's my point here? The two covenants, one was a covenant of you obey God and you get from God and you have favor from God. The other one was you rest in God and you trust in God. Amen? And God is pleased by your faith in God. Amen. Here's my point. Miracles happen only because of the power of God. We don't do miracles. When it comes to the miracle of being born again and living like you're born again, that doesn't happen because you decided to help God out. Amen? Amen. You have no other choice but to wait on God and wait for his promises to come to pass. I know so many people who are waiting on their children to be saved, waiting on their friends to be saved, waiting on their associates to be saved. And, 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 and we're, we're doing all kinds of things to try to make that happen. But the bottom line is, thanks to our effort, that's great that we have effort behind this and we want to, you know, do something here. But the bottom line is the spirit of God is the one that causes the miracle. He is the one that causes the life. It's not me and you. He is the one that causes the life and the lifestyle that goes along with it. It's not me and you. Are you hearing me? But Satan would love us to think that because we are trying harder that we are really doing something here. And because we don't see any results yet, he would love for us to get up in the middle of it and to concoct some kind of miracle on our own. Are you hearing me? All right. Verse 25, for this Agar is Mount Sinai and answers or is likened to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with her children. Agar, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai and is linked to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Why? Because they are for trying their best to produce righteousness themselves versus the righteousness of God that comes through faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Amen? And in verse 26, but Jerusalem is above, which is above, is free. Verse 26, but Jerusalem, which is above. So there's two different Jerusalems. Are you seeing that? Okay? There's a Jerusalem that's in bondage, 
because they're trusting in their own good works and then there's a Jerusalem that is above the heavenly Jerusalem which is free there is the nation of Jerusalem that represents the unsane uh, folks that no matter what they do they are trying hard to please God in their own effort and then there is the new Jerusalem which represents the church of God that has placed their trust in Jesus Christ the son of God who has already pleased God <laughs> amen and they don't try to please God out of these religious constraints that come from compulsion are you hearing me just when I thought that Paul couldn't say this anymore he says it a little bit deeper amen yeah. The church serves God. The true church loves God. They serve God out of love for him. Amen? They serve God because he died for them. They serve God because he gave his son for them. That's the true church. Amen? They love God because Jesus paid for their sins. Are you hearing me, saints? All right. So here's the thing. Here's the miracle. If you're really honest with yourself, the only reason... Why you and I are saved in obeying God to the level that we are on <laughs> is not because of my best effort or your best effort. It's because God has done a shown of miracle. That's what it is. You tried all you knew how to live holy and it didn't work. But one day God saved you filled you with his spirit, gave you a desire to pray, gave you a desire to seek God, gave you a desire to do what's right, filled you with the truth from God's word, and you don't do it because you, you, uh, you, you want to you know, please God. You don't do it because you want to impress God. You do it because there's a craving that's been placed in you that did not come from you. It comes from the spirit of God. What happened? One day God... <laughs> He blew his breath of, of righteousness, of holiness, of new life in you, and you became a living soul. You became a new life, not just naturally, but spiritually. Are you hearing me, saints? That's the miracle. It's not some 12-step or 15-step or 25-step program. It's not pull yourself up by your bootstraps or get yourself together. It's not read three or four, you know, help, self-help books and sign up for some motivational speaker conferences or sermon seminars. It's the power of God doing an everyday miracle in your life every day you wake up. The power is there. Are you hearing me? First, he saved you. Then he raises you to new life. And you can't take any credit for it. You are born again. You've been living a brand new life ever since. And when you mess up, <laughs> you can go back to God and ask him to clean you up. And you dust yourself off and you keep on walking. Why? Because you can't help yourself. What is happening here? You live your life for him because you love him. You don't mind the constraints. See, the legalistic Jews were saying to the Galatians that in order to obey God and to be right with God, you had to be circumcised. You had to, you know, you had to live safe by obeying all these laws and, and, and going to all these festivals. And, and you know, that, that's not right. Paul was saying, place your faith in Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit do all the cutting. Don't play doctor on yourself. Don't operate on yourself. You don't know what you're doing. Are you hearing me, saints? You'll end up cutting off a bunch of stuff <laughs> that God was never even concerned about and then get mad at God because you're still not happy. Why? Because you still ain't free. Mm. When you love Jesus, you don't mind what he takes away. Wonder why? Because you still got Jesus. <laughs> One day while you were doing what you were doing, <laughs> probably on your way to doing some mess like me, the Holy Spirit met you at the crossroads and he whoosh, blew into your life. <laughs> you heard the gospel, you received the Holy Spirit, and you were transformed from that day on. You've never been the same. <sighs> See, what's that old song? I am constrained, not by my own effort, but by this great gospel to forever worship you. It's the gospel that constrains me. Listen, what that means is I, I'm right where I want to be, not where somebody told me I had to be. Are you seeing the difference? 
No, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that constrains me. The chains on me, the chains about my neck, that's the wisdom of God. Why? Because I love God. I want to be here. I want to serve you. I want to do what you say. And when I fall out of line, I don't like that. It burdens my heart. I feel the separation. I don't want to do that. That doesn't come from me trumping that up. That comes from the spirit of God. Why? Because I know me. I know what I can do by myself. I can't do it. It's got to come from God. God alone. Are you hearing me? Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not a bunch of rules and regulations. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Why? I'm free to love him. I'm free to serve him. I desire to. Why? Because he's placed that love in my heart. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth makes you free. What is that truth? It's the gospel. God loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes and places their faith in him shall not perish, huh? But have everlasting, everlasting life. Amen? Uh, John 8, 36. If the son therefore makes you free, you shall be free indeed. There's the difference between Ishmael and Isaac. One is a slave trying to make themselves free. One was born free. One was by human effort. The other one was by the spirit and the promise of God. One was like, I can't wait any longer, Lord. What are you doing? The other one was like, no, we're going to trust him. I don't care how long it takes. He's going to make the miracle. You know, when I have a desire to do something that I know I'm not supposed to do, there are two choices. One choice is I can muster up my own strength (laughs) or the other choice is I can rest in God and know that the way of escape is already made. He's going to come through and every single time I do that, God delivers. Are you hearing me? There's some things we've been waiting for God to take off of us. <laughs> and in, in some cases, he may not. He may say, my strength is made perfect. Huh? Huh? He may say, you know what? You know what? Uh, three times I asked him to take it away, and he didn't take it away. He, you know, he says, you know, just trust in me, and you'll be okay. Just, just, just trust in my word. You'll be all right. You know? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Are you, are you following me? It's not you. Huh? Paul asked three times for something to be taken away. He said, no, 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 no. My strength, you know, all you need is my strength. All you need is my strength. You know, no, no, no. You just trust in me. Wait on me. Wait on me. I'll deliver you out of this. Amen? Verse 26. Galatians 4, 26. Sarah, he's saying here, the end of it. Sarah is the mother. You see the, the last part of the verse? Sarah is the mother of us all. Amen? For it is written, verse 27 says, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. The one that did not give labor or did not have the ability to give birth. For the desolate, who's that? Sarah, hath many more children than, that, than she that, uh, which hath the husband. Hagar gained Abraham as a husband. And she had a son by him. But Sarah, who was barren, would end up with more children because her children are the children of faith. In other words, the church, the church of God is the church of believers as a whole. They are the ones that come from the covenant that, rep, that Sarah represents. Yes. It's not just a nation, uh, but the, the church is a kingdom coming from all nations. Are you seeing that? You see, see uh, Hagar represents just the, the, the unbelieving Jews, but, 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 but Sarah represents the Jews and the Gentiles that are coming from everywhere that believe and trust in Jesus Christ. So there's always going to be more children of faith. <laughs> Then there were going to be the children of that nation of the Jews. Are you hearing me? Sarah represents those who are coming to God by faith. Many more children are going to come from Sarah than those who are under the law. Why? Because the law constrains you. 
It ties you up. It doesn't free you. It's the love of God that frees you to love him. Amen? Amen. Verse 28. I'm going to finish this up. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. He's just making a promise. He's saying we are not like Ishmael. We are like Isaac. Amen? We are the children of promise. Why? We were born of the spirit, not born out of human effort. Amen? We don't do what we do for God out of human effort. We do what we do for God by the power of the spirit. Amen? He's just being redundant here. But notice verse 29. But as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. He's basically saying that just like (laughs) years ago when Ishmael was born and they finally had Isaac and Ishmael was the teenager and Isaac might have been two, whatever have you. There was a point in time you see in Genesis where Isaac is mocking and making fun of, I mean, Ishmael's making fun of, the, uh, making fun of Isaac. So the child of human effort is persecuting <laughs> or making fun of the child of the promise. Amen? This is an actual situation. Amen? Uh, and, and what ended up happening, just to give you a little history here, uh, when, when Hagar left the first time, help me, Holy Spirit, uh, she ran away from Sarah. An angel came and told her, go back and do whatever Sarah, your master, tells you to do. But when the children were born, and then we start to see uh, uh, Ishmael mocking the son of the promise, Isaac, then God himself speaks to Abraham and says, listen, they got to (laughs) go. They got to go. God, not an angel. God himself told Abraham, they got to go. Don't worry about him. I will make a nation out of Ishmael too. I know he's your son. I know you blew it, but I'm not going to let him, I'm not going to let him, you know, starve, whatever. I'll take care of him. But your children, your true children, the church is coming from the people of faith, not the people of human effort. So what's being said here is that you have the Jews who are persecuting the Gentiles. Uh Uh, The Jews and the people of the law are persecuting the people who are free, the people of faith. The people are trusting in Christ alone and not in bondage. They persecute those who are free in Christ because they really have a spirit of pride that leads to frustration because they are born of themselves and not of the spirit. So when they see someone who claims to be saved, but they're not living exactly the way that they think they ought to live, the Jews are saying, if you don't dot every I and cross every T and do every little thing that I think you ought to do, then I get frustrated with you and I find fault with those people. Amen? And they begin to persecute those people. Why? Because deep down inside, the Jews come from a place of pride in this issue uh-huh, and not from a spirit. Why? They really just want to feel good about themselves and make you feel bad about who you are because they, their salvation is of themselves and not necessarily of the spirit. Are you following me? So they will find fault in those who have these freedoms in Christ, who are just trusting in Christ, who don't have to put all these extra ceremonial things on top of Christ in order to be in Christ. They come and they persecute the people of faith. Are you hearing me? Uh-huh. You've seen it done. Well, she don't wear this and she don't, she don't act like this. And, and why is he doing this? And why is he doing it? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to this and I don't do that. And I, well, I, 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 I. And the person that's trusting in God is saying, you know what? Every now and then I might put on a little bit of earth, wind, and fire and Rick James, but I still trust in Jesus. And I ain't trying to say that my salvation is of myself. Now, I'm not going to say and go in place in Rick James. <laughs> I'm just saying that it ain't about any of that. It's not about that. It's not about it, okay? And you, you, don't, you don't, you know, adhere to this holiday and you don't do, no, you know, I've been watching YouTubes lately and, and checking some Facebook things and I'm seeing some people who are putting so much emphasis on these Jewish holidays now. You notice that? And I'm, I'm hoping they're not becoming a distraction from Christ. Hope you're not leaning on that because that is not what Christ has told us to do. 
And, you know, you can feel free to, you know, celebrate on those things. I'm not telling you that's wrong. I'm just saying if it starts to detract from the centrality of the trust in Jesus Christ, the simple faith of Jesus Christ, then you're starting to veer into something that is not of God. That's going to end up in pride because <laughs> I do this and I do that and that makes me such, thus and so. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'll never forget the thief on the cross who never had a chance to do any of that. He just trusted in Jesus and said, will you remember me? I'm a sinner. I'm going to put my stuff on you and you're going to give me your righteousness. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said, surely this day you will be with me in paradise. Woo. Done. All right. So he's saying there, there's persecution from those who are after the flesh or born from the flesh versus those who are born of the spirit. I'm almost done. There will always be enmity between the flesh and the spirit, people. <laughs> a person who's leaning on Jesus while the other person is leaning on themselves, there will not be unity in between them because they, they haven't been born from the same place. It's not from love. It's from pride. Nevertheless, verse 30, what saith the scripture? Here it is. Here's the application. Got a lot of history, and now here's what we do with it. Verse 30, cast out the bondwoman with her son. That's what God told him. He said, Abraham, they got to go. Cast the bondwoman out and her son. The application is, is get rid of this thing where you live by the law and the pride that comes with it, you know, with whatever you achieve by the results of your own effort to keep the law. Cast out the mother and her son. Cast out not only the theology of that, but the results that come from that. Ugh. Mama got to go, baby got to go. That twisted theology has got to go, and the results that come from that, that's got to go. Why? He says, he shall not be heir of the inheritance with the son of promise. Your efforts to gain glory or your efforts to gain favor with God or your efforts to gain heaven... To earn heaven? No, that's not what Jesus came for so you can earn it. No. Law and grace cannot be mixed, people. It is impossible to inherit God's blessings on the basis of human merit or fleshly effort. That's the lesson here. So here's the point. And I think St. Augustine, and I'm going to close here, he put it best when he said it this way. The Christian maxim is this. Love God and do what you like. <gasps> Did you get that? Love God and do what you like. He said, it is the power of that love and not the constraints of the law that will keep us right. For love is always more powerful than law. Isn't that true? Remember my wedding ring. This is not what's keeping me in the relationship. Huh? In the church, your external duties and things that you do is not what keeps you in the relationship. No. God has to put that love in your heart. If you try to enter salvation with the work, without the work of the Spirit, then you become an Ishmael and not an Isaac. Are you hearing me? If you try to live holy by your own power, without the power of Christ, if you try to serve Christ in your own power, without the power that comes from the Spirit, you are an Ishmael, not an Isaac. You are a slave, not a son, and the slave will never be free. The bottom line is this, saints. The bottom line is this. There will be no one that is in heaven going around telling God how great they were. No one. There will be no one in heaven telling angels, did you see how I lived? <laughs> I, that was magnificent. I had a really good run on that planet. There will be no one. Everyone in heaven will be saying the same thing. If it had not been for the miracle of God that found me where I was, 
and blew the breath of the Spirit into my life, made me born again when I believed that gospel, I would still be doing craziness. I would be in hell. I wouldn't be here. That's the truth. It's the power of the Spirit. The difference is there's two different covenants. One was a covenant of the law, self-effort. The other is a covenant of grace, Ishmael versus Isaac, born of Hagar and Sarah and Abraham's plan, human effort, versus born of the Spirit, waiting on the promise of God. It's the same thing in the people that we want to see saved. It's the same thing that happens with us when there's things that we need to be delivered from. There's nothing too hard for God. Everything's too hard for us, but nothing is impossible to God. I don't care what you struggle with. There are some things that God has taken out of my life. I'm just, I never thought I would ever be free. And here's the thing. The freedom I experience is not, well, now that's gone. The freedom I experience is getting up day by day and waiting on his promise. Jamie, I will keep you today on Sunday. And then when you get up tomorrow, Jamie, I will keep you tomorrow. And I want you to continue to walk with me every step of the way. Your reliance, your trust, your resources must be from me by the power of the Spirit and not your own effort. And ever, whenever I get into my effort, I fail. That's the truth. When it comes to salvation and when it comes to sanctification, both are of the Spirit and not a human effort.